Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Psalm 127, a song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with the opponents of opponents in court. So what we're going to talk about for the next half an hour or so is about leadership, and in particular, leadership in the family unit. Does anyone actually like the word leadership? Is anyone getting a bit intimidated with the word leadership? Jess, who is a leader, gets intimidated with the word leadership. Well, let me tell you, Jessica Murray, people are intimidated by you. <laughs> but leadership is um, it's a necessary word, and particularly in the family unit, it's, it's something that is really, really powerful, so long as it doesn't get misused and abused. And the reason why leadership often gets abused is because there's not a real um, clear understanding about what godly leadership is. And that's why I thank God we have scripture to inform us of that. Now, leadership has everything to do with how we see the world. Um, If you're a leader or if you have a role or responsibility of leadership, it is completely dependent on how you will see the world because in essence, a leader is someone who has the ability to take a group of people to a area or to a place where they would not ordinarily go to, right? So if you find that you're following someone and all of a sudden you are, boom, I end up in like, um, I don't know, where's a random place to rock up? Uralu. That person was a leader because you would not ordinarily go there. Leadership is the ability to see things or to see places which other people do not see. And this psalm is actually a psalm about leadership. It actually falls into a category that we would say this psalm is a wisdom psalm. And it's a psalm that says it's a psalm of Solomon. We don't know if Solomon wrote this or if this was a psalm that was for Solomon. But but in any case, it's something that Solomon obviously tried to apply to his life. And in particular, this is talking about the family unit. And in particular, it's actually talking about the father's role. But I understand in in today, we have so many different families, don't we? We have like blended families. We have single mom families, single dad families. We have like the um, nuclear family. We have so many different families. I would actually say that that this is actually a parenting kind um, kind of psalm. And again, you might be thinking, oh man, I'm not a parent. Well, one day you will be. And if we get this stuff earlier, I wish I knew this stuff when I was like single. And like, um, I would have been a much, much, much better dad. You know, already I'm going to apologize for so much stuff that I've put my kids through. But if I actually knew some of this stuff, I'd be so much better. So that's what we're going to do. So this psalm is a vision um, about the family. And it's a really clear vision. So we're going to start at the beginning. Uh, from Psalm 127, I'm going to walk right through this. So you will see in your um, Bibles that the psalm starts like this. Psalm 127, a song of ascents of Solomon. Cool. So we're going to stop right there. Now, this is actually a really important title for this psalm. Really, really important. Um, how many people just read through the titles and don't give any regard for it whatsoever? I do that all the time. 
what's really interesting is in our book of Psalms, our collective of, 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 of Psalms, that there's about 15 Psalms that are called the degree Psalms or Psalms of Ascent. Um, there's about 15 of them. And what would happen is that um, these were Psalms that were actually communicated and they were used when um, the group of people were actually traveling. And we have enough consensus in the theological world to actually say that what used to happen is that people would travel to Jerusalem for three major feasts during the year. And as they did that, they actually had to travel there. It was this pilgrimage. It was this ascent. It was this degree of like actually going there. And it's really informative for us to know that, that as people were going, there was actually a responsibility which lay predominantly in that day on the fathers, on the men, to actually look ahead and actually see um, what was coming ahead. So, for instance, these Psalm of Ascents, okay? What would happen is that you've got this group of people and they start traveling, start wandering, you know, they're just going on the way to Jerusalem. And up ahead, they'd start to see, okay, there's some mountains up there right? There are some mountains. Now, everyone else is just like walking along, just like idly doing that. But the men actually have this ability and this responsibility to look ahead. And they say, oh my goodness, there's some mountains. But they understand what these mountains mean, right? Right now, they're on this plane, but they're going to go into the mountains. Mountains were a place of treachery. Mountains were a place where criminals would hide out and they would just kind of jump out and then they'll rob people and, and all that. So, so they can see ahead and, and this is what they would do. As they were leading this group of people to the mountains that are coming and they know, whoa, over there, there's some danger. Right here, there's some safety. So in the midst of safety, they would start to impart faith for the treachery that was about to come. So we read, like even one of these Psalms, like Psalm 121, just keep this picture in mind. They're walking towards the mountains. They're in the front. They're seeing what's coming ahead. And they would actually start to sing. The men of the community would start to sing Psalm 121, which again is a song of ascent. It was, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. Get this. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. Does that make sense now? That there was this ability, that there was this wisdom, that this was this perspective of those who were leading the group, who were those who were leading the family, that they had the ability to see what was coming ahead and actually impart the faith now for what was necessarily for the future. Now, that's a really important thing when it comes to parenting, that there is a responsibility on parents that we have this ability to see what's coming ahead because generally speaking, we've actually walked through that, right? We've all like sort of walked through our mountains and our valleys and we've all done dumb, stupid things. I certainly have. I've done more dumber things than most people here. Um, but it's kind of, except for Brett, because he just put up his hand. All right. Who is the dumbest person in this auditorium? <laughs> Did we record that really? Anyway, <laughs> but it was just this thing that this, this idea that, that those who are going to take on this responsibility of leadership, that they have this ability, they have this opportunity to impart the faith and wisdom now for the danger or the treachery that is going to come. And that's what the Psalms of Ascent actually teach us. So that's really important to know that. Did you, is, did you learn that? That's good, isn't it? If you came for nothing else, like I learned about the Psalm of, Psalms of Ascents, you know? They had this vision. They were able to see differently to other people. And I think that's really important when it comes to leadership in the household. I think sometimes that, in my experience, you don't necessarily see differently than maybe 
um, your kids sometimes. Um, I think that's where the blessing is when I, in my particular case, I have a wife who's a lot smarter than me, so she's able to see things a lot better than what I can. But there is this idea that we have this responsibility because we know what life is going to throw at the children. We know what's going to come, you know. So we have this ability to actually impart now what's going to be required for the future. So that's what the the title actually tells us. So we'll actually move into verse 1. And this is about godly leadership. It says this, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late. You toil for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those who he loves. And this is the foundation of godly leadership in the family unit, but also in any area of life. And the foundation is simply this. Unless we build with God, everything else is done in vain. Absolutely everything is done in vain. Like this, this psalm is actually saying you can get up early and you can work hard. You can get up early and you can go to bed late. You can, like, you can rise up early to make sure you get your stuff done and then like keep working behind work, do your overtime and all that. And you could work and work and work and work and work and work. And you think you're making progress, but unless you're doing it with God, it's actually all in vain. And that's wisdom that we can apply, but it's also something that we don't necessarily need to take to hand. And it's really interesting. Verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house... That's an interesting word, house, because as we said, these guys are on pilgrimage. They're on pilgrimage. They're walking out in the desert. You know, they're walking with, with, with their families, plural, all together, and they're not building any houses. There's no, like, mud huts or anything they're building along the way. When the word house is used in this wisdom psalm, it's not talking about a building. It's talking about legacy. If I was to paraphrase, it would say something like this. Unless the Lord builds the house of Ryder, Andrea and Dave labor in vain. There is this perspective that this psalm is asking us to consider. It's asking us to consider about our families, but not just our immediate family, but to talk about the, and to think about the legacy of our family, the heritage of our family. It's talking about if you want to build, if you build with God, you need to understand this. Your building will not just stand for this generation. It's going to have a knock-on effect for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. I am fully anticipating that when I am in heaven, I'm going to have all these strangers come up to me and say, Dave, and I'll say, who the heck are you they say well where are you great 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 grandchildren we just want to thank you for the way that you built because because of the wisdom that you aspire to apply to your house there was a knock-on effect and 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 I think there's great wisdom that we actually see our life we see our families beyond the immediate 70 to 90 years that God gives us but understand that there is an opportunity and there is the potential for us to knock on isn't that great and here's the great thing. I know that um, some of us may have families and you may think, well, I don't really want to knock on what's been passed on to me. Well, the great thing about being in Christ is that Christ redeems absolutely everything. So everything that has happened up until this point, we can wrap it up. We can pass it over to God and say, okay, God, you can redeem this. And now I'm going to knock it on and it's going to be a different legacy. So the house of Ryder may have looked like this up until this point. But from Jackson and Kayla, and then from them, it's going to look completely, completely different. And I tell you what, there are some things in my family and all that, and there's been a knock-on, 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 knock-on. But the next generations, I pray to God 
Like there's going to be a different knock on. See, there's the opportunity there. But the opportunity comes if we build with God. If we build with God. John 15 verse 5 says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now that sounds a little bit like, well, that's a bit harsh. And, but all God's saying is just stay close to me. Keep staying close to me. Steve, just, 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 keep, just keep coming to me. It's really interesting um, in the book of Genesis that uh, Adam and Eve are over there and they're just loving life, you know. They're just doing gardening and then they're... What else was there to do other than gardening? Use your imagination. Anyway, so they're just having a great time. They're doing gardening and they're just loving each other and all that kind of jazz. Um, all of a sudden, sin comes in, the fall comes in and they start hiding from God. This is the first time they've ever considered hiding from the presence of God. And God comes looking for them. They thought they were hiding from God. God knew exactly where they were. God knew exactly where they were. And from that point, there has been a redemptive plan to actually bring humanity back into that closeness with God. And what it lets us know is that in the times when we do fall, when we do stumble, and we all do, there is no sin that is so outrageously like, oh, seriously. We think it, but in, in, in the grand scheme of our beautiful Heavenly Father, God is, He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where I am. And He still wants us to be close. And all Jesus is saying, if you stay close to me, if you stay connected to me, this stuff is going to be a natural occurrence. But if you cut yourself off because you think all of a sudden, oh, I'm too terrible, I'm too this... Well, then you can't do anything. But it's all about this attitude that we do have. So that. All right. Moving on to verse 3. This is a perspective for parents. And again, if you're not a parent as yet, this is really cool to know right now. So verse 3 says this. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are reward from him. Other translations actually say that children are an inheritance. Um, but what happens is that we look at these words is that we start using contemporary definitions of words like heritage or, or words like inheritance. Um, so I might read this and say, yeah, Jackson and Kayla, you my inheritance. That means when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80, you need to get a good job. You need to buy me a house. And plus, I want a new car. And I'm just, you're going to be my resource. But that's not what that psalm is saying. See, Paul completely misinterpreted that word. Completely did. <laughs> Here's what that word means. <laughs> this word simply means children belong to God. They are a gift of God, but they belong to God. So as parents, our responsibility, I think parenting is the most amazing, outrageous, um, awe-inspiring burdensome responsibility that God would ever give because basically what God's saying, that child belongs to me and I'm asking you to guide that child, to steward that child. But we need to have a mindset that Kayla and Jackson, in my particular case, they don't belong to me, they belong to God. And God has, for some reason, looked at Andrea and I and said, these guys have got what it takes to look after these precious children who belong to me. Isn't that a over... That's a big 
responsibility, isn't it? It's a big perspective. I, get, I, I, I make mistakes with it every single day. Every single day. But what I find is that the next verse actually informs us how we are to look after, how we are to steward these children who God gives to us. It's really, really informative. And I would even dare say, I think there's just great responsibility even when it comes to grandparents and, and all that, you know. I um, chat with um, Trevor. I mean, far out. Your grandkids are with you right now. I, I pray that when I grow old and have grandkids, are they like sitting next to me in church? <laughs> That would be good. Verse 4. Verse 4 is really important. Okay? Verse 4. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. I was in a... um, Every Friday morning, I um, hang out with some pastors and we pray at Timber Cafe. And because I'm at Timber Cafe, they have free Wi-Fi, so I check in. And I'm starting to get a lot of people jabbing at me because I think I live at Timber Cafe. But it's simply because they have free Wi-Fi. Um, we were over there praying, and um, we were just praying, and God starts speaking to me about this verse. And obviously this psalm is actually about the family unit, but he starts applying it to life in general. And in particular, to anyone who is a Christian, we're called to ministry to each other. And, and he starts reminding me about what Paul said. He said to the Corinthian church, said, you've got a lot of tutors, but you don't have many fathers. For in Christ, I became a father to you. And he starts talking to me. You know what? This is a direct um, correlation to the family, but this is a principle that actually applies to life. If, if you're a Christian, this applies to life. And it's this understanding like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. What's so significant about that? What's so significant is that back in the ancient times, back in the times of antiquity, we didn't have mass production of weapons. There were no conveyor belts, you know. Industrial Revolution was like a long way off, all right? What used to happen is that every single arrow was made individually. And because every single arrow was made individually, in the hands of the warrior as he went to put it into the bow and as he went to shoot, every single arrow was made differently. It was unique. And as a consequence, it shot different. Every single arrow was different. The warrior couldn't think to himself, you know what, I've got like, I've got 12, they're all going to go the same. Like, you, you, have you seen the movies? That was not a reality back then because every single arrow had its own idiosyncrasies. Or had us all little, like little nicks and nudges. So what the warrior used to have to do is that he would practice over and over and over again with each individual arrow. Each individual arrow. Because every arrow was handmade. Every arrow was different. Every arrow behaved uniquely different. And it had to be tested, and it had to be tried, and it had to be tested, and it had to be tried. He had to test and test and test that arrow before the appointed time when the arrow really needed to be used. That's the key to parenting right there. That's the wisdom. That's the wisdom right there. And it doesn't just apply to parenting, is my case with Andrea, like we've got two kids. But in a much more bigger sense, I've got a responsibility of actually 
um, being a spiritual father and not because I'm a pastor. Now, part of that is I know a lot of pastors who don't want to be spiritual fathers, right? But my vocation and my aspiration to actually be a spiritual father is not because I'm employed as a senior pastor. It is because I'm a Christian. And I believe that there is a responsibility that one generation is supposed to speak to another generation and to another generation and to another generation. And there needs to be this care um, that we understand that when we are with people, when we have the, the, the blessing of actually doing life shoulder to shoulder with people, that each person is handmade uniquely and differently. And when the time comes, when they need to be shot into destiny, you can't expect a Jeff to be shot the same way as Aaron. They are two completely different people. That's the wisdom. That's a wisdom that is completely neglected in this day. And it's a wisdom that's neglected. And it even gets like kind of neglected in the church as well, you know. Um, one of my, um, it's not a concern. One of the, the things I struggle with is that um, we're a church where um, there are all, so many new beautiful people coming all the time. And that's fantastic. And they're coming from, from all over the place. Like sometimes like, where do these people come from? But the, 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 the thing is, I, I, I don't want to be this church where we just have these mass gatherings. I want to be a church where we actually have spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers who are in the house, who actually have the eyes to see and the wisdom to apply and actually see, no, there is uniqueness and there is beauty. And we can't expect someone to behave or, or to be shot or to, to execute life in the same way as someone else. But there is absolutely this uniqueness in every single person. And that's what the psalm actually really teaches us. When, 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 the, when the psalm is, is saying, this is wisdom, you need to understand this perspective, that every single person belongs to God, that is really overwhelming. What does that mean? But, well, this is what it means. Because every single person belongs to God, every single person is handmade by God, and it means that we need to take the time and take the care and not have this mass production approach to Christianity or to church, but actually be willing to come side by side and, and, and actually walk hand in hand with people, not just in the good times, but especially in the harder times as well. You know? I was with um, one of my um, friends um, who's going through a hard time. And he was saying to me something that was so common with a lot of young ministers. I used to be a young minister. I started out when I was, I'm still young. Is that what you're saying? Okay, I'm still young. I'll take that. I'll receive that in Jesus' name. <laughs> Without any hair. Yeah. So... And it's not, it's not a one-off story, but it's a story, struggle, all that, gets found out and all that. And it was saying, like, I just didn't feel safe to be able to talk to anyone about it. And um, I felt really, really sad because it's, if we call ourselves the church, if we call ourselves the family of God, if we, if we actually say we believe everything that we say we believe, then we should come together it may be uncomfortable at times but there should be safety knowing that at the foot of the cross all the ground is level you know but we need to actually as the body of believers um take that 
perspective. We um, kind of forced into that perspective. I think we're blessed to minister in Armadale because on any given day, um, we have people who are very vulnerable walk through our doors on any given day. Um, and I think that we're blessed because it forces us to recalibrate. I had an um, incident on, um, during the week and um, I had this phone call from one of my friends and it was five minutes after the phone call, Donna was talking to me about exactly the same situation. And I thought, gee, God, you're really trying to set me up right here. Because I just heard the response of one of my friends. And now this exact same thing's happened. And I already knew what my response would be anyway. But it was just a heart check to actually keep the main thing the main thing. And to actually understand that if we are actually um, lovers of Jesus, which means we're lovers of people, we want to actually, want, like, we, we just need to have that care. That's the wisdom that comes from here. It's the wisdom that comes in the role of parents. And in particular, I understand, like I was saying, we're, we're in a different cultural generation. But this psalm is written specifically to dads, specifically to men. I get a little bit perplexed because on my Instagram stuff, you know, you hit like search and all these random things come up. And I see there's just this amazing plethora of like all sorts of people. And um, it, it seems to be that the definition of masculinity at the moment is your abs and your biceps, right? When I was growing up, body image was predominantly a female issue. Body image is now a male issue as well as ferocious as it is for females, as ferocious, as ferocious. And it's kind of made us think, okay, what is masculinity? Well, if we get caught up and think masculinity is just the appearance, there's nothing wrong with looking good. I want to look better. I need to look better. My goodness. But there's nothing wrong per se, but that is not the definition of masculinity. This psalm is trying to articulate the definition of masculinity to men, to fathers, to grandfathers. It's this wisdom. The definition of masculinity is actually applying God's wisdom to your life and actually living it out. There you go. Anyway. So, as a warrior learns to control his arrows, so a father, so a grandfather... So a man, so a mother takes the time, takes care, and becomes so intentional. I reckon um, I've got a boy and a girl. They are so different. It is ridiculous. Ridiculous. They are so different. Jackson, Jackson loves to wrestle, right? He always wants to wrestle. Um, he wants to test out his strength because boys need to learn how to, boys need an avenue to test their strength out especially when they're young. Um, so, so Jackson's over there and he wants to wrestle. So we're like on the bed and like I'm throwing him around and all that. So Kayla comes up and says, Daddy, I want to wrestle too. I know she doesn't want to wrestle. Because if I start throwing her around, she's going to start crying. She is like the quintessential girl, right? Anyone knows, Andy, uh, not Andrea, Kayla, she's a quintessential girl. Um, Jackson is a complete like, antithesis of her. Um, so, so I know she doesn't want that, but she's saying she wants the same thing. Um, so she comes up to me and she's like going, trying to act like Jackson. I just grab her and wrap my arms around her and I start dancing around the room with her. Because I know that they're different. If I start treating Kayla the same as Jackson, I'm going to probably like get told off by Andrea. Because as soon as something happens to Kayla, she runs to Andrea and says, Daddy did this. 
she's a complete wuss. Um, <laughs> but they're also different. And that's where the wisdom is. That's the clash of culture that says we haven't got time, that we're so busy. But when it comes to particularly the younger generations, we need to make the time, okay? Um, especially if you're not a dad as yet. Um, this is good to know right now. Um, Psalm 127.5, we're coming to an end now. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Well, my quiver only has two, so we're not going any more than that. Um, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. It's not necessarily talking about like having lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of kids because, um, you know, we've only got two, but it actually talks about a blessing. That the application of this wisdom, the application of understanding the role of leadership. Remember when we first said we didn't even get to verse 1 and leadership was defined for us. The ability to see what's coming ahead and to impart the faith now for the impending um, problem. So that's the kind of thing, to understand perspective of leadership, to understand the perspective of parenting, that these children are inheritance of God. That doesn't mean that they're going to resource me. No, it means they belong to God, that they're God's. And then the wisdom in actually stewarding that is to look at them and it's kind of say, well, these are all individual. I need to take the time and the care. This psalm goes through to say that if you follow this stuff through, the reward is there is a blessing on your house. That there's a blessing. And, and as, his, as his kids, they grow up. I know enough about life to know their kids go this way and go that way and go that way and go that way and that way and that way. I've been a youth pastor and a young adult pastor for most of my ministry life and I'm coming up to around 20 years. I can't tell you the amount of um, mums in particular and some dads, but particularly mums who I've sat with, not in this church, but in my previous church, and they've just been crying and crying and saying, my, 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 my child is doing this, my child's, they're going in this direction, this direction, this direction, this direction, this direction. And I can't tell you the amount of times I've seen um, kids who become young adults and they shoot off in this direction and they return to the Lord. Because there is a blessing. There is a blessing in applying that. I cannot tell you the amount of times they come. They come back all the time. And that's what this psalm is actually saying, that there is a blessing. There's blessing to be gained from a well-ordered family. All right? There's blessing um, to be gained that when enemies are at the gate, there will be blessing because a father, a mother can rest assured that what has been um, done in the past, that the time and the care will actually bear fruit and it will bless them in the future. And these kids will not depart from them. And that... Is Psalm 127. Do you learn something from that? Not a bad psalm, eh? Not a bad psalm. How about we pray? Not a bad psalm at all. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your scripture. Even as we've just simply walked through five verses of a psalm. And all we've done is just walked through it verse by verse and talked about each verse and yet... There's wisdom to be gained. There's comfort to be sought. There's optimism. There's hope. Father, I pray that the words that have been spoken this day, that they would go deep into our hearts, Lord. Father, I pray that we would aspire to um, be great leaders, not just in our family unit, but great leaders in this world, Lord. 
that we will have this godly perspective of leadership, that we would have this ability to take a step back and see every person who we're blessed to be in contact with, every interaction, every conversation, that we'd be able to take a step back and see that this person is handmade by you. This person is individually shaped and uniquely formed. And that we would have the wisdom to stop and not just be tutors in this world, not just be teachers in this world, but to be spiritual fathers and to be spiritual mothers in this world. Father, we lift up the, all of the generations, not just the generations in this church, but the generations in this land. Father, we ask that you would unite us, that we would glean from each other, that we would respect and honour and, and, and understand what each generation can contribute. Your word declares that all men will have dreams and young men will see visions. Unless the old men have dreams, the young men can't see visions. And unless the young men have visions, the old men can't dream dreams. They go side by side, they go together. I pray we'd be a church where every generation is championed, every gender is championed, and we walk collectively as your body, as your church, ferociously in this world, declaring your love and your peace and your grace to a world that is desperate to hear about it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Do you guys want to? All right, church, why don't you stand up? We're going to sing, Ben Sings My Soul.